Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we'll spend our time in verses 26 through 42 of the 14th chapter in Mark. Have you ever sworn something like, well, I will never do such and such, and then done it? That's what can happen when we rely on our own strength as fallen human beings. Sometimes we make statements like this because of strong emotions in the moment, or we really do think that we alone have the power to overcome our own inherent weakness in especially difficult circumstances. Well, before we start throwing stones at Peter for the failure we'll begin to look at this week, we should realize we are made of the same stuff and possess all the same weakness. The good news is, as believers in Christ, we don't ever have to rely on our own strength to stand in difficult times. We can lean into his strength. And when we do fail in this way, as we all have, the better news is, Jesus won't let us fall into a place that we deserve, where there is no hope. He sustains us. Here is today's segment of the sermon entitled, Dismal Night for the Disciples. Now is going to come a much different prayer, one that will take place in private, just between Jesus and the Father. The next prayer that we're going to see here, we would not know about except that it was made known to us by special revelation through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Have you pondered how you would do if you were there that night with those 11? I have a really good idea. You'd have fallen on your face too. You would have run away too. But we have the whole story now. Have you pondered the depth of your commitment to Jesus Christ and how it would hold up if you were in the crucible of intense persecution? You remember the story, now famous, of the, the high school girl whose name I can't remember, but it, she was at Columbine High School 20 years ago on the day of the, the massacre there. She was known by um, the murderers, known to the murderers as a, as a Christian. And one of the murderers pointed his gun at her head and said something like, do you still believe in Jesus Christ? And she answered, yes. And in that moment of his demonic anger and bitterness, he squeezed that trigger and spread around the room the messy remains of a now empty body. And he sent that dear girl instantly into the presence of Jesus Christ. How do you think you would hold up in a moment like that? You know, that's, that's pretty brave. That's, that's taking a stand. But do you know what? That's not likely to happen to you. The more likely scenario is a whole lot harder than one instant decision to stand for your Lord. More realistically, it's how do you hold up when someone around you starts mocking your Lord? How do you hold up when... Somebody rather relentlessly at, on the job makes fun of you for believing 
in Jesus Christ? Or how do you do when the moment presents itself in which you have a wide open opportunity to explain to, to someone that the most important thing about you in your life is to know God through Jesus Christ and to, and to glorify Him forever. Those are the more likely scenarios when you will be put to the test. Do you speak up or do you just slink away or change the subject or just clam up? Well, Jesus knew the state of the disciples that night. And here's something really interesting. He knew every single one of them was going to crumble. Nevertheless, He made sure He didn't abandon them, even though they abandoned Him. Let's look at how He warns them and then how this unfolds. Verse 27 in Mark 14. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because it is written... And now he interestingly pulls out Zechariah 13, verse 7, and he he makes an application from that. It is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. He probably said that while they were on the way from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives. What he predicted is, you will all fall away. Now, I want to explain a little bit about that terminology. I, I would rather they didn't translate it fall away because that's the best English translation of the Greek word for apostasy. Apostasy describes people who profess to follow Jesus Christ, but they never actually put their faith in Him, and eventually they fall away from, their, from the faith. They deny Christ. They go back to their former way of life. Apostates are worse off than those who have never heard the gospel because they've heard it and ignored it and rejected it. So I don't like the idea of fall away because these guys didn't fall away. They became very influential spokesmen for the gospel. So I prefer the translation, and you might find it in other translations, you will be offended. Well, it's not like they took a personal offense. Or you will be made to stumble. Maybe that's the best way to put it. You're all going to stumble very badly tonight. Those variations give you the idea of what the meaning of this Greek word uh, actually is. And it's not super easy to convey in English because we don't have an exact equivalent. Um, Nevertheless, something serious happened to them. They scattered and they fled. The only exception to that was Peter, who didn't scatter quickly. He stuck around long enough to humiliate himself worse than the rest of them, to curse and to swear and say, I never knew him. The word that describes this here, I'm going to say it because it's one of those Greek words that you will be able to remember because we have an English word that is just a transliteration of it. The word is skandalizo. If that sounds a lot like scandalize, it's because that's where the word scandalize comes from. Now, the root of it is a word, which would be skandalon or scandal in in Greek. That word describes a bait stick. If you can picture the the kind of trap, you know, you wanted to catch the, the rat or whatever, you could tip up the box, put a little bit of bait inside, prop it up with a stick 
and then tie the bait to that stick. And when the animal goes around to the side where the bait is and tugs on the bait, pulls the stick out and the, and the trap is sprung and the animal is caught. Um, that stick was called the scandalon, and to be trapped that way was to be scandalized. So it's to be caught in a trap. Jesus was saying that he knew that the circumstances were going to be so intense that all his disciples were going to crumble and cave in. He wasn't going to give up on them, but he knew they would need to be regathered, restored after the resurrection. Now, here's a thought. Maybe you've not pondered this before. If Jesus hadn't allowed the disciples to be scattered, they might actually have died with Him. We're going to see where they said, oh no, even if we have to die with you, we're not going to leave you alone. But that wasn't the plan of God. If He had snuffed out all the apostles that same day, that would have been problematical for the plan. Now, Judas did fall away. He did apostatize. He is the, the son of perdition. But the others became powerful servants of the Lord. So immediately, Jesus followed up that uh, application of Zechariah thirteen seven with this promise that even though they would desert him and scatter in fear, he was going to gather them together again. He would reassemble the group. He would lead them again for a little while before he ascended to the Father. He knew what he was going, what was going to happen that night. He knew what was going to happen to the disciples as soon as he were arrested. As soon as he was arrested, so he warned them about it, and he also let them know he had a plan to restore them. So as we look at this text, and I, I'm kind of focusing on the disciples, it was a dismal night for the disciples. As you see their frailty, see also God's majesty. Remember, Jesus is in charge of all of this. Nothing frustrates the plan of God. So he says to them, after he says you're going to be scattered, verse 28, but after I have been raised... I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Guess what? That's exactly how it happened, just as He promised. We're going to study it when we come to the resurrection, the, the resurrection text in, in Mark when we get there. What you're about to hear next is going to sound like an echo of something that you've already heard. We saw it earlier in Mark. Peter tried to forbid Jesus from going to the cross if you read Matthew's version of it, it's the time when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're saying. Well, Peter leads the charge again to protest what Jesus has just said. You're all going to be scattered, but don't worry. After I'm raised from the dead, I will go before you into Galilee. Look at verses 29 through 31. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, he zeroes in on Peter. You're going to see in a moment they're all saying this. He zeroes in on Peter. He says, truly, I say to you that this very night, before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, 
I will not deny you. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.